Hello, and welcome to Not For Girls Case Files, a special episode where we explore unknown happenings. This week, we dive down the rabbit hole into the mysteries of the Enfield poltergeist. Hello, I'm Leah. And I'm Nikki. And this week we are doing another Case Files episode for very good reason. Um, <laughs> we've basically got to the point in our schedules where we're we're both super busy and this week Nikki had more time than I did. And so we, we're switching up the format a little bit this week. Um, do you want to tell the, the lovely listeners what's going on, Nikki? Yeah, so what we're going to do is, just because of like conflicting schedules and everything, um, I I found the case file this week that I wanted to talk about. Um, and effectively, I'm just going to present it to Leah. I'm going to tell her all about it. And we're going to go through it, dissect it, decide whether or not we think it's, you know, bullshit or potentially true. And, and that's it, really. I mean, I guess normally we kind of look at different aspects of it. We go into creative corner, science section, but this one is a little bit different. And I think we'll do these every now and again when it comes to like a specific thing. Like this week, obviously, we're going to talk about the Enfield poltergeist, which is just, you know, it's a very specific case as opposed to just looking at, you know, like aliens, ghosts, things like that. So Right, a broader thing. Yeah. I was joking that for the purposes of this, I'm like that douchebag that goes to college <laughs> campuses and is like, me, 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 change my mind. Um, <laughs> because this is like, yeah, we're going to be talking about this, this case file and, I, and I'm going to be like, I guess, reacting to it. Like, I'll, I'll hopefully have some hot takes. I literally know nothing about this. I don't think I've heard of this phenomena at all. So I'm really excited because I love ghost stories, but as I'm sure you guys know from previous topics like this uh i'm not necessarily like the biggest believer in the kind of paranormal things so I, i'm really excited i don't know how this is going to go but we're lucky we get to experiment and try new things um so i hope you guys enjoy it as well uh, uh, at the moment we don't know what's going to happen <laughs> well hopefully it's going to go well and i'm going to be able to tell you all about this and you're going to be like whoa i'm definitely going to be like whoa <laughs> i'm certainly going to say whoa a lot um how are you doing this week? I'm I'm good. I don't really have anything to report. I don't think many people have much to report at this point in time in our in our second UK lockdown. Yep, it's all kind of you know grinding to a halt again. Um, I, I'm like slightly concerned that everything is going to go crazy in the the lead up to the end of this year with the holidays and stuff coming up. But in the meantime, um, I'm kind of trying to just like batten down the hatch and uh, wait out the storm. Really, stay home, stay safe, yeah. and ride it out i'm just i'm actually looking forward to christmas snuggling not leaving the house playing games oh it should my be God. Good. i'm actually really looking forward to that i'm not gonna get dressed that whole day <laughs> if i get dressed on christmas <laughs> day i have failed this year <laughs> but how are you enough about me yeah i mean same very very much the same really um yeah nothing nothing major going on except just like yeah busy boring workload but i'm sure you guys don't don't want to hear about all that so <laughs> without further ado shall we shall we enter the rabbit hole let's go so this story begins with the hodgson family in 1977 in a council house in brimsdown enfield london I don't know if you've ever been here before. I assume not. I haven't. London generally? No, but not, I meant like yeah, Enfield. Not, yeah, no, never been <laughs> Me there. Me neither. Um, and I'm not going now. I'm just kidding. That's really bad for the tourism <laughs> in Enfield. I'm sure there's lovely things to do in Enfield. <laughs> 
<laughs> I've never heard of like, they don't have their own Statue of Liberty or anything. Like, I don't think we're kind of <laughs> wiping them off the map by saying like, oh, we won't go there now because it's I haunted. think it's like a borough. <laughs> I don't think there's that much happening. I'm sorry, Enfield. If That's you live cool. there, I'm sorry. This has backfired. <laughs> but anyway, unfortunately, this is what you're famous for, is the Enfield poltergeist, which is a shame. But we're going to dive into the reason as to why. And it all starts with Peggy Hodgson and her family. So Peggy Hodgson was a single mother to four children, Margaret 12, Janet 11, Johnny 10, and Billy 7. Um, she recently split from their father at this point, which was very unusual at the time in, in the 70s. It didn't tend to happen as much as it does now. But this all started on the evening of August 30th, 1977, when Mrs. Hodgson was getting her children into bed, when she heard Janet, the 11-year-old, complaining from upstairs that her and her brother's beds were wobbling. Mrs. Hodgson just told them to stop messing around upstairs, stop being idiots. However, the next night, some... <laughs> stop being idiots. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's what I imagine she said. You little shits, maybe. Stop being idiots, you little craps. <laughs> so, you know, that was happening. That was a bit weird. But the next night, something a bit more weird happened. She had a crash from upstairs around the same kind of time when they were all getting ready for bed. Um, and so she went upstairs because she heard that crash and she went to to settle down. Again, stop being little shits. But as she entered the bedroom, she saw a chest of drawers move. So she went to go push it back, but she found that it was sort of being pushed towards the door and that she couldn't do it. It was like there was this invisible force. Every time she tried to push the chest of drawers back, she couldn't. So sort of leading on after this... It seems that there was more happening than just chest of drawers moving around and wobbly beds. Um, Margaret, one of the daughters, had said that there was a lot of little strange noises in the house and you could never make out what was going on. And that none of them were sleeping. And it seems that they were all getting pretty scared by this. And that night, I think it was, or the night after, I can't exactly remember when, they were so freaked out and so spooked by it all that they all put on their dressing gowns in the middle of the night and slippers and just went next door to ask the family next door for help. And so next door it was Vic and Peggy Nottingham, which Vic and Peggy is like the most British names I've ever heard. Wait, there's two Peggies? Yes, two Peggies. Because it was the. That is a very. Was, like, that, wow. It was the 70s and it was London. What's Peggy short for? Peggy Red. What? <laughs> I don't know. Peggy. Is it just Peggy? It feels like it should be a longer name that gets shortened to Peggy. Like Maggie is short for Margaret. Is there a name called like Pargaret that's short for Peggy? Pe- Peggle. I don't know. Peg- Pegger. Higgle Piggle. We're going to have to look into this, aren't we? We are. Oh, you're actually Googling it now. Because Vic, Vic, I get. Vic, short for Victor. But what's Peggy short for? The name Peggy developed in England during the Middle Ages. Essentially, it's a diminutive of Margaret, which originated from the Hebrew Margaron, meaning pearl. So yes, it is Margaret, it seems. But I think you could also be called um, Peggy without having it derived from anything. And also, apparently, it can be derived from Meggie. <laughs> Meggie first of all I don't understand how Peggy is derived from Margaret because Margaret has not got a P anywhere near it but Meggie <laughs> hi I'm Meggie nice to meet you it kind of sounds like muggy doesn't it so when someone's hello. being a bit muggy hello thank you for coming in from this job interview today uh Meggie is it <laughs> I'm sorry to anyone out there listening who may be called Maggie, but <laughs> that just doesn't sound real. I don't think anyone's called Maggie unless they're called Megan and they've, they've made their nickname Maggie. Actually, short for Megan, that sounds short for Megan. That sounds quite cute. Prince Harry and Maggie. Yeah. Right. 
Which is also weird because Harry is short for Henry. These names are not short for, they're just random. They're just, they're not the, yeah. I mean, to be fair though, my name is Nicola and my nickname is Nikki. It's not shorter, really. It doesn't even make sense. You've knocked off one syllable. Yeah, but, oh, I suppose, yeah, that counts. Nicola, Nikki. Also kind of rolls off the tongue a bit more, you yeah. know. Nikki. Well, thank you. Um, quick question about this, the happenstances of this, this uh, case file. So, they all went next door, including the mother. As you said, they put on their dressing gowns and went over to their neighbours, Vic and Peggy's. Is that all of them or just the kids or the kids and the mother? Oh, it was all because... of them. They were all like, fuck this shit, let's get right. out of this house. So the mother like became on board. She didn't think they were being little little shits. Yeah. She was like, oh no, this is, this is legit. Let's all go next door because we're all scared. I think it happened after the chest of drawers moved and she couldn't push it back. Um, right, that's what sold her on Yeah, it. but there was also obviously all the little oh, yeah. noises and stuff. And so I think that happened and then it just got worse and then the mum was kind of like she was on board with it and was like okay this is this is weird like I'm not I'm not down with this so I think that was kind of yeah. like the turning point for her so that's why they went went round to Vic and Pegs so what happened to Vic and, Vic and Pegs <laughs> well uh, Vic who was a burly builder went to investigate in the house mm-hmm. which of course Vic is a burly builder I don't know uh, who, could he be anything else <laughs> so he said that he went in there and couldn't make out these noises. There was a knocking on the wall, in the bedroom, on the ceiling, and he was beginning to get a bit frightened. This made Margaret say, I don't know what to do. I've never seen a big man like that looking scared. Right. Yeah. So this is this is the typical, like, I'm a big bloke. I don't get scared of ghosts. Yeah, I'm a builder called Vic with a white van. I'm going to run over that ghost in my van. <laughs> Or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so there's a Margaret, a Peggy, and another Peggy. <laughs> yes. As I said, seventies England. Wow. I thought was <laughs> I know that there was like there was a there was a real bad drought, I think, in like seventy six. Was there also a shortage of names as well as water <laughs> during this time? Well that's why the mum was called Peggy. Right. Because she couldn't be called Margaret anymore. Because there was already another Margaret. I see. And a pe- and their neighbour was Peggy. So. But don't worry, the neighbour Peggy doesn't have any kind of impact on the story She hasn't got now. any lines in this play. She's no, a support- supporting character. A character name her so that we knew, what, we knew who Vic's wife was. Got but ya. that is it. That is as far as she gets in this story. Got yeah. So my first theory on this is... I, I know that <laughs> you have a theory already <laughs> because I think that in like the seventies, council houses were like particularly in London, they were terraced, so they've gone one side next door, like you know, to Vic and Peggy, and they've been like, "Oh, we're scared. There's a ghost in our house." Vic's gone. But in. it was Vic and Peggy all along. <laughs> it was the other neighbours, the other side. He said those banging on the walls. Oh. What's oh. happening is it's night time. The neighbours, the other side, are going, "Oh, it's bedtime. Let's have a little bit of." you know <clears throat> an amorous exchange <laughs> and um, and they're all getting freaked oh, out so i can actually i can i can just shut this down right now i'm looking at the house and vic and pegs is the one that's attached there apart from on the other side there's no attachment oh they had an it's end terrace semi- okay so nobody is in the next door house having having any hanky panky okay well that no oh yeah it, oh, it was just Vic and Peggy all along <laughs> they were just banging they were just having rampant sex exactly next door. um but no if it was coming from the other wall then that would be like a ghost outside the house like just chilling like banging on the bricks going like I hate this house <laughs> or something I want to knock it down it's built over my grave it's yeah. ugly which a lot of buildings were in the 70s it was like very brutalism I've sent you a 
<laughs> I've sent you a picture of the house so you can have a look for context. Nothing special, sorry. No, that's fine. I mean, it blows that theory out of the water, though. Oh, okay, so it's literally like two semi-detached houses stuck together. So they're only attached to each other. The Peggy's and then Vic and Peggy, the other side. It's just those two. They're the only ones connected. Um, Vic and so Peg. unless uh, Vic's wife, Peggy, is having like the most the most like blatant affair like when he goes next door to check on it and she's like quickly we can have another go <laughs> then he's scared because there actually is ghosts coming. <laughs> i mean they're all the kids are in the house so i'd be quite sure well, that's what that. yeah that's why it would be like very very blatant i can't i can't i don't think that this my theory is losing credibility is what i'm trying to say you'll have many you'll have many times to come in and put more dampers on this do not worry we are only at the beginning i'm excited okay let's continue so the hodgson's called the police because the what else do you do when there's a ghost call ghostbusters you you call the police but i guess that's a kind of natural thing to do because you hear banging and to be honest maybe that's something that i'd do if i did actually feel like there was someone like in my walls or in my attic yeah that wasn't the song, though, was it? Who you gonna call? The police. <laughs> no, but I guess the Ghostbusters were busy. Also, that film wasn't out yet. <laughs> that film was made no, in wasn't. the 80s. Fair. I'm jumping ahead. So the police turned up. This was, I think, the same night that they went to Vic and Peck's. And, uh, and they had the policeman come inside and there was a police constable, Caroline Heaps. She came inside and she stated that she saw a chair move. So this was a police report. She said, at the time, a large armchair moved unassisted four foot across the floor. The chair was inspected for hidden wires but could find no explanation for what she had seen. Eventually, the officers left and told the family that the incidents were not a police matter as they couldn't find anyone breaking the law. So this is very interesting. And this is one of the the credibility parts of the story. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot that that goes against the story. But the fact that the police said in their report that they saw something move across the floor, but then also the fact that they were like, fuck this, we're out, kind of like, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. The fact that like that, yeah. I mean, there is legitimacy to an actual police report uh, when they record things, you know, that's, it would be like potentially... Uh, court evidence you know that's what police reports are, are generally used for is for like actual prosecutions and they have to be really really factual um and so there is a certain credibility and legitimacy that we attribute to those because they're trusted to kind of uphold the law and everything so uh yeah that that is interesting obviously ghosts are not <laughs> illegal <laughs> the question is are they real like not are they not breaking the law or or something so yeah interesting okay i'm 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 definitely intrigued so yeah i guess at this point caroline heaps was like well i can't arrest a ghost so good luck (laughs) and then just leaves yeah leaves them to it so obviously the hodgins at this point were feeling pretty shit pretty deflated not having any idea of what to do the police weren't going to help them and it was the 70s so they couldn't just like google how to get rid of ghosts in my house yeah so the hodgins then contacted a newspaper which was the daily mirror and they ended up having a photographer a guy called graham morris visit the house and uh and he put a little bit of an insight into it and sort of wrote about how it was chaos things started flying around people were screaming some of the events that happened when they were there were captured on camera and the images are somewhat disturbing, but well, I mean, I say I don't think disturbing is necessarily the right word. But um, one shows Janet uh, being thrown across the room, in and some like others also she's like showing quite a distorted um, face, mm-hmm. like a, a face in pain and things like that. 
Um, so I'm going to send you some of these photos. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go for it. Some of these photos are also from later on when another person turns up, which we'll get into. But uh, these are going to be like pictures of her being thrown across the room. Uh, well, apparently being thrown across the room. That's obviously up for debate. I, I don't I don't know what instruments they were using to do this. I feel like they were using like motion captured uh, images. Okay. Uh, not images, sorry. Motion captured cameras. The ones that like flash when there's movement. Maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, because... well, it was the 70s. So they would have had like, I don't know what cameras were like then, but like bulb, like bulb ones. Yeah. But all the other kids and stuff in the photos always look like absolutely fucking terrified. Which is weird. But it's also just strange because, yeah, like, who was there? Who was taking these pictures? Um, It doesn't necessarily look like I think that she's necessarily being thrown across the room because if I saw someone being thrown across the room, I wouldn't expect their feet to be pointing downwards. It kind of looks like she's jumped off the bed. If I was being sceptical. that's a big issue with these. Yeah, if I was being sceptical, I'd say it looks like she's jumped off the bed both times. Like, the bed is just beneath her. And where would she have been thrown from? If she's being thrown backwards, she would have needed to be like standing basically on her younger siblings in the adjacent bed. Uh, so this is a this is a big thing that makes me doubt it when I see those pictures because they're they're kind of weird and they're creepy. But yeah, I, I just I don't I can't quite get my head around it. In the it. last picture you sent me, she just looks uncomfortable being touched by that man who's not touching her inappropriately. <laughs> he's, he's actually doing the hover hands thing. Uh, she's looking like, Ugh, and he's like, oh God, what's happened? Like he's holding out her hand to check she's okay. But she just looks like she's sick of him. <laughs> yeah, we'll get on to him later. Um, but th- those are the photos. Is that the photographer guy, Graham? No, that's not Graham. I don't know what Graham looks like. Is that Vic? He doesn't look like a burly builder. Who is this man? We're going to get to him later on. He's, he's coming. Right, Don't okay. even worry. All right. I'm excited. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously that was happening. And apparently she was getting thrown around and everything like that. But she'd, uh, she commented later on. I think she commented later on in life, actually, about this, that the, the levitation was very scary. She said, because you didn't know where you were going to land. She said, I remember a curtain being wound around my neck at one point and I was screaming. I thought I was going to die. Which is intense. So after this, apparently also the BBC went to the house, but the crew found metal components and their tape equipment had been twisted and recordings erased. I don't know what that's about, but it's just a fact that I found. Yeah. Poltergeist sabotage, what it sounds like. So after yeah. all this all this madness with everything like the Daily Mirror and everything coming around, um, the family then sought help from the Society for Psych... Oh my God, what is this word? Psychical... Psychical, that's a word apparently, psychical research, SPR. And uh, it sent mm. investigators, Maurice Gross and Guy Leon Playfair. So Maurice Gross is the poltergeist expert. He is the guy that you saw in the photo. Right, okay. And Maurice Gross was cited as saying, as soon as I got there, I realized the case was real because the family was in such a bad state. Everybody was in chaos. But when I first got there, nothing happened for a while. But then I experienced Lego pieces flying across the room and marbles. And the extraordinary thing was when you picked them up, they were hot. Oh, wow. He also said, when I was standing in the kitchen, a t-shirt leapt off the table and flew into the other side of the room while I was standing by it. As far as I'm aware, t-shirts don't tend to fly across the room, but you never know. Not on their own, no. Which is a weird thing, that one. I read that, I was like, t-shirt? Like, of all the things (laughs) to fly across the room, I never just... The, The ghost does not like clothes, apparently. Yeah, this ghost seems pretty indiscriminate about what it's throwing across the room. We've got chairs, we've got children, we've got t-shirts. <laughs> like, anything's up for grabs, it seems. So 
One day, Morris and a visiting neighbour found one of the children shouting that they couldn't move and that it was holding their leg. They had to wrestle the child from from what seemed like a grip of invisible hands. And it seemed (laughs) that the ongoing knocking and everything kept going and going throughout all of this time, especially when, when Morris was there. And apparently this was one of the most chilling aspects of the case because it would run down the wall, fading in and out, as it apparently sort of played this weird game with the family who eventually just began sleeping in the same room with the light on because it just apparently traumatised them that much. So, yeah, it's it's all a bit creepy. Like, it, to be honest, it's my worst fucking nightmare at this point. But, I mean, a lot of people are visiting the house and, like, corroborating these events, which, again, you know, like, this is a big telltale sign for me because if one person just goes, oh, all this stuff's happening, and you kind of go, well, you know, they could be undergoing any kind of psychological, you know, or hallucinatory issue. But it's the the credibility made by multiple people uh, writing, recording and experiencing these things, which kind of makes me go like, like, why would they do that? And again, it's the whole thing of like, well, do you expect to have that? And so you kind of, it, it was the thing that you mentioned before where it's like, yeah, if you if you're like expecting to feel creeped out, then you kind of do because you're picking up more on like you start you start to imagine it. Well, not I don't know if imagine is the word, but I guess exaggerate it. But like you know, I mean, I'm sure some of these like the film crew coming in, like it's just a job to them. Like uh, you know, everyday people who like who just do do their work can can be quite skeptical about these things. You know, like myself. Um, and yeah, it's it's not just a pipe that's kind of creaking or you know sort of small like an eerie cold feeling or something that's really subjective these are you know huge claims that are happening yeah people being thrown around furniture moving t-shirts flying about like (laughs) no wires a police report that says no wires like you know so this this is yeah starting to feel like it would be hard to make this stuff up and have all these stories corroborate each other. So it seemed that a lot of this activity was centered on 11 year old Janet she went into these kind of violent trances, which were really hard to watch, apparently. And obviously she was one that was getting thrown around. Uh, but apparently at one point, the iron mm. fireplace in her bedroom was was wrenched from the wall by unseen forces. I don't know who saw it, but um, family members also claimed to have seen her levitating, floating clean across the room. Again, no evidence of that. But what happened next was incredibly disturbing. And this is the part where I get creeped out. Very creeped out. And it always disturbed me. And it's... okay. So, Janet began to speak in the rasping voice of an old man, which was thought to be the spirit of, well, the investigators thought it was the spirit of Bill Wilkins, a man who had died previously in the house. So, Janet apparently spoke in this voice for hours on end, something which voice experts believe would have been impossible to do without damaging her vocal cords, like, immensely. The deep voice could have been produced by the so-called false vocal cords, vestibular folds that we all use from time to time to produce such tones. Many claim it's impossible to produce these sounds for long periods and Janet did so for hours on end. Gross uh, has hundreds of hours of recordings Mm. of this with the poltergeist while her talking uh, and he apparently also witnessed her speaking with her mouth taped up and filled with water. What? Janet described the experience of voicing Bill in the sense that he was standing behind her. Okay. I am reeling from the fact that she has supposedly been able to talk when her voice is taped up and filled with water so someone literally did this to a child where they were like drink all this but don't swallow it and also have some duct tape um and she still was able to talk without 
choking to death somehow like that sounds outrageous well she could have swallowed the water um if she, if she wanted to i think it was to, to prove it but the problem is there's no there was no video evidence of this there is video evidence of her speaking in this voice in an interview and it's questionable but i'm what i'm going to do now is i'm going to send you the audio recording of okay her speaking in this oh this is gonna mess me up isn't it It i can already tell it messes me up um sorry also bill wilkins quite quite a british name um sounds really like a a character from oliver twist or something like oh it's old mr bill wilkins round the corner do you know what i mean like it sounds really (laughs) like appropriate for that like era um i'm wondering when this guy would have died in the house though and if his name if they knew his name from like public record like oh he lived in the house in whatever era so he officially he he did live in the house he did die the the house house looks like quite modern in terms of how it's built so would that have been in like the 50s or 60s it it couldn't have been that long before um all the peggies lived there well it depends when they moved in i I don't know when i don't i don't know when they moved in but it was it was confirmed that he died in the house and it's his son confirmed it so um you know it's somewhat disturbing but could have could the girls have known maybe probably could have maybe found out that a man called Bill Wilkins lived in that but house again, like, died there. there's a question of how because they wouldn't have just had mobile phones to be like oh uh, yeah I'll check land registry I'll check property word of mouth neighbours yeah neighbours yeah maybe if old uh, Vic and Peggy were there when Bill was there as far as I'm aware I swear I remember watching a documentary and they said that okay. the son did confirm it um, but anyway so I'm going to send you the video and I'll send you some timestamps and, and this will all be played and obviously on here as well. Okay. Let me hear you say my name. Come on. Let me hear you say my name. That's not my name. Come on, my name's Morris. Let me hear you say it. Morris. I want you to tell me whether you remember what happened to you when you died? Just before you died and just after you died? Days before I died, I died. I went blind. Then I had an hemorrhage and I fell asleep and I died in a chair in the corner downstairs. Oh my god, that's that's legitimately horrible. The voice on its own is horrible. Never mind the fact that it's coming out of an eleven-year-old girl's mouth. Yeah, I don't know if you heard it in the beginning. It like barks. Oh. It barks like a dog, and I that's that's one thing that I don't get is because I, I when I was younger I used to be able to do a bit of a creepy voice too. It didn't sound anything like that, but I would never be able to recreate like a dog bark out of my face with, with barely moving my mouth. Mm. Oh my god, that is actually horrific. <laughs> oh god. I had an hemorrhage and I died in a chair downstairs in the corner. Fucking hell. But it sounds like a 80-year-old man. It does. It's also really specific. And if his son has like confirmed that, like confirmed the details or like some details of his death, I mean that that's horrifying because like yeah, how how would a child literally know i mean i don't think when i was 11 that i really would know would have known oh this is what a hemorrhage is and btw it can kill you you know 
Yeah, I know. It, uh, like I said, this that part of the whole thing is is definitely what freaks me out. Freaks me out the most. Yeah. Because it's just, it just, it sends shivers down your spine. Yeah, it's it's pretty horrible. Like, it, it, it honestly sounds, I mean, I... I <sighs> you know this like we both used to work in a call center and uh there would be sometimes where you'd have to uh work on a specific phone line where you would get calls from older people um for a specific product and yeah that that is exactly what i mean so many uh, like it, that's hard to recreate that like growl like, like gravelly depth but that is like a very old man voice that i would be like familiar with hearing from that part of that job um and not an 11 year old girl which <laughs> i mean I, I think my voice is quite high pitched she should it would sound more like me typically that that like that pitch of her voice and yeah how vocal experts have kind of said it's not possible to recreate that without hugely mm. damaging her voice um, so oh, there is sugar. there is an interview because I, I mean, I guess back then, like, it wasn't possible to have so much, like, video recordings. It was probably easier to have voice recordings than what was video recordings. But there is a recording um, of Janet and her sister sat on the sofa. And I think she does, like, the voice happens a little bit. Not much. Not like that. Um, and they're both sat there. And I think what made me feel uncomfortable about that to begin with um, was the fact that they're both quite giggly. They're both, like being very childlike mm. and giggly and not uncomfortable not don't, don't seem weirded out but I don't seem scared and you know Janet's doing it a bit and her mouth is moving a tiny bit and it does look like it, you know it's coming from her and um but when I first watched that I was like oh, it doesn't it doesn't it makes it less believable the voice is fucked up and it's weird but when I saw that I was like surely I mean I know that you might get used to it surely you would be a little bit more like weirded out mm. and not giggling and laughing and joking around I don't know Mm, strange yeah all right so i definitely recommend watching that and, and you know everyone let me know your opinion on that video but i think you can't deny the, the terror of the voice recordings at least oh god yeah that, that's 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 really hard to hear um yeah yeah really really hard to listen to so as i was saying i you know i i did cast some doubt when i when i saw the, the video interview of them acting like that but mm. there were a few things that happened that, that caused a lot of people to to have doubt on the validity of it all and this was when two kind of paranormal experts came in and actually caught the children bending spoons themselves and you know a lot of people were starting to question why apparently not many people were allowed in the same room as Janet when she was using her voice mm. um apparently that was a thing I, I don't quite know the validity of that statement because as far as I'm aware like she did she did it in the vo in the room with Morris so anyway people were starting to believe that Janet was potentially causing some of these things and the other kids were like causing these things to happen like it was you know a bit of a, a bit of a hoax they were fabricating some of the occurrences but mm. you know so that as soon as that sort of stuff starts happening everyone starts to go oh well it's the kids it's the kids they're doing this mm. but Janet actually admitted later on that um in, in the 1980s that they did fabricate some of the occurrences she told ITV News in 1980 that oh yeah once or twice we faked some of these things just to see if Mr. Gross and Mr. Playfair would catch us and they always did so was that just kids playing games you know they did seem like quite giggly and mischievous children and it seems like maybe they would 
do what a child would do and be like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we did this? But apparently they got caught every time. And there was definitely things that they couldn't have been doing, like the the chair that the police officer saw move. Like, there was no way that they could have done that. They weren't even in the house. Mm. So it does cast some doubt in your mind, but then you also have to think, well, she's they're admitting that they were trying to, to catch them out with some other little things to see if, you know, they would believe them. But I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I'm I'm working on a couple of theories, but I feel like I want to know more before I <laughs> okay before I like say one way or another. Um, so like, what? It, yeah, how 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 does the story like progress? Or you know, so it doesn't have like this perfect ending. Apparently, Janet had spent a short spell in Maudsley Psychiatric Hospital in London, where they stuck electrodes on her head and did loads of tests on her to see if like. To be honest, I'm not sure what sticking electrodes on your head is going to prove, but apparently all tests came back normal and she wasn't deemed to be, you know, like, unstable. Well, thank God or... she passed the electrodes test. <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing Eleven from Stranger Things with the with the kind of head thing on testing, like, her brain waves. Mm. That's what I'm picturing. But, yeah, apparently that was all fine and there was nothing kind of weird about it. But, um, I mean, there's there's a lot of now interviews and, and things like that with Janet. Because, you know, she's older now. She's like in a, she must be in her 60s. Yeah. Maybe late 60s, not quite sure. Um, and she, she talks a lot about it. And she describes, she still 100% says that it happened. She describes the poltergeist activity as traumatic. She said it was an extraordinary case. And it was one of the most recognised cases of paranormal activity in the world. But she said for her that it was quite daunting and it really left its mark. The activities, the newspaper attention and the different people in and out of the house. She said it wasn't a normal childhood. And that is a big thing that I think happened with this. Like, you know, when it when it all went down, there was so much press. There was so much mm. stuff happening. She says as well that her and her brother and sister got really badly bullied and they were known as like the ghost kids and they used to like taunt her and put bugs down her top and stuff like they they really got the brunt of it all um you know not only having the media attention but then also having like social attention and and things like that 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 makes me think that she didn't fake it at least because you wouldn't want that level of attention like i mean or certainly in retrospect she's saying like that level of attention and and what happened with this case was like pretty unprecedented and yes there's always the argument that oh they could have faked it and not known how big it got and how much attention it would have gotten um but you would have at that age you would have an understanding of how especially at school like kids who are different get treated badly um because that Mm. is like just one of those facts of childhood that the second you go to school you know you're trying to make friends you're trying to get in with like you know the other kids in the school and if there's a kid who's like a bit weird or like you don't like or they've got something like unusual about them not saying like paranormal activity because yeah that obviously (laughs) that was what it was for janet but i'm saying like particularly back in the 70s like this would have been a lot more like you know uh, prevalent whether it's race whether it's gender whether it's disability um like i i absolutely like kids would have been teased for all that that kind of stuff i think uh or, or othered you know and seen as di- different um so yeah um that kind of makes me think that she, uh, she certainly believed that it was real when it was happening to her and she she didn't think she was making it up yeah exactly no. 
And so she was later on asked about how much was faked because obviously everyone just says hoax, hoax, hoax. Um, and this is obviously later on in life. And she said uh, it was about 2%, she said. She admitted that, you know, her and her brother and sister did did kind of, you know, play around a little bit. But I think maybe their states and their mental states weren't amazing at the time. They were going through this really weird shit. And maybe I don't think necessarily that discredits the whole thing. They're, they're not going to know as children that if they start doing silly things like bending spoons or playing around that, that that's going to like invalidate them because maybe that's not something that they have in their capacity to really understand they in their minds probably as children couldn't imagine that adults would be saying no this isn't real because they're seeing it and they're surrounded by mm. it so i don't think that should be used against them because they're like, you know if you're an adult and you were having someone come into your house and try and prove that something was happening, mm. you obviously wouldn't do anything to damage that. But this is a child, this is children, yeah. and they're naturally very mischievous and they're probably bored and fed up with it all. Yeah, they wouldn't have that understanding of like being accountable or like credible for like and accountable for their actions. Yeah. So Janet also explains in these later interviews that she admitted playing with a Ouija board with her sister just before all of this happened. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, damn. This is basically saying everything I was saying in our other episode Mm. about the fact that Ouija boards are not good because they kind of create something. They bring something in, in my opinion, that's hard to get rid of. And that that is really interesting, I think, the fact that that was never really mentioned before. And it was only in a later interview that she was like, you know, we, we actually did do that. And we kind of always blamed it on that. Oh, jeez. Yeah, this is, uh, it's really strange. So she was saying that she was unaware that she went into these trances that were described until she was shown the pictures of them. I think the picture I showed you with the guy, like, hovering his hand was a trance. She uh, she remembers being shown the pictures when she was a child and she was very upset and she would always dread going home. Mm. She said that sometimes she would get home and there would also just be lots of people around and that would also be something that she didn't like because people were just constantly coming in and researching and looking. And uh, she used to worry a lot about her mum who actually eventually had a nervous breakdown in the end. Oh, God. Um, because of it all, which is which is really, really quite sad. And... Um, Janet just sort of says that she always just felt used by a force that nobody understands and they still don't understand and she doesn't like to think about it too much. She doesn't know if the pottergeist was truly evil. It had died there and wanted to be at rest. But the only way it could communicate was through me and my sister, which I don't remember the sister having communication, but Janet then said that there was a priest's visit to to the house that resulted in the incidents quieting down in the autumn of nineteen seventy eight. So it was only a year later mm. that they that they had that visit. And she said that the occurrences did not stop entirely and uh, apparently her mum continued to hear noises in the house. Shortly after all this, all that happened, the press attention did drift away. But unfortunately, uh, John, uh, Janet's younger brother, Johnny, died of cancer just aged 14. Oh, God, and that's awful. Janet, Janet moved out of the house when she was 16 and got married and, and went elsewhere. But Janet's mother did continue to live in that house. But she unfortunately developed breast cancer and died in 2003. Right. She died in the same chair. Yeah, oh. as, as Bill Wilkins. Oh, my God. Okay, that's that's quite horrible. I'm, I've, yeah. I'm scared. I have goosebumps now. So, obviously, she did have two brothers. I think this is who she's talking about now. She said that um, until the day that he left after after their mum died, would say that there was still something there and you'd often still feel like you were being watched. Janet still rejects any suggestion that the whole story was faked in pursuit of fame or money. And she said that she didn't ever want to bring it up while her mum was alive, but 
when she passed away, she decided that she wanted to tell her story a bit and she didn't care whether people believe her or not. So she went through this and her story is true. She has been asked whether she believes the house is still haunted and she says years later when her mum was alive, there was still always that present there, something sort of watching over you. And she did say that as long as people don't meddle the way that we did with Ouija boards in that house, she thinks it's quite settled and it's a lot calmer than what it was when she was a, a child. She said it is at rest, but it is always going to be there. She said when asked if she still um, believes in the poltergeist, says it lived off of me, off my energy. She's like, you can call me bad if you like, but those events did happen and it was with me. And I feel that he will in some ways always be with me. Mm. Um, So the question comes as we sort of conclude the story is who the hell lives at this address now? Because the house is still very much there. Yeah, shit. So after Peggy Hodgson died, Claire Bennett and her four sons moved into the house. And Claire Bennett had said that she didn't see anything but felt uncomfortable. There was definitely some kind of presence in the house and I always felt like someone was looking at me. Her sons would wake in the night hearing people talking downstairs. Claire then found out about the house's history because she didn't know up until this point. And she said suddenly it all made sense and they moved out just after two months. One of her sons, Shaka, who was 15, said that the night before we moved out, I woke up and saw a man come into my room. I ran into mum's room and said, we've got to move and we did the next day. The house is currently occupied by another family who do not wish to be identified. And the mother says simply, I've got children, they don't know about it and I don't want to scare them. Right. Huh, okay. There's a discrepancy with what the previous son said that he saw there. He saw a man come into the room. At no point during all the the Janet debacle did anybody see a spectre. It was stuff flying around and possession is kind of what they're claiming, right? That Bill uh, Wilcox or whatever his name is, Wilkins, was like talking through her and like possessing her and throwing her around. So that seems like that could be paranoia or like projection of what they expect might happen if they know about the house's history because i don't know like it's a completely different thing i'm not I, i'm not a ghost expert i don't know if a ghost can like one minute throw sh- shit around the room and then the next minute be like yoohoo here i am i'm a i'm a creepy shadowy figure in the corner um it just seems weird that like there's this activity which is like recorded and you know, uh, by a lot of people, and uh, you know, and corroborated by a lot of people. And then one person saying a completely different type of activity. I mean, yeah, the, the guy, the boy who said that, like that could have just been sort of one of those things where it was projected. But I think her comment about someone always looking at her before she even knew about the house's history was what I think got me feeling a little bit like, ugh. Yeah, because they did say that there was like that presence there. And um, she didn't know at that point. So that that made me feel a bit uncomfortable yeah um going back to what you were saying about like you know people say that this is a hoax because they um they can just get fame and money out of it did janet and her family ever get fame and money out of it are they rich and famous and successful or did they get infamy and ridicule out of it and not a huge amount of money and it was actually way harder to lead a normal life like i would say it's the latter right i think that they did not get anything good out of it um I think it's also important to mention how many TV shows and movies have been based on this. Yeah, because I know that... And I don't think they got any money. Stuff like this where it's kind of, um, you know, it's a cultural phenomenon, but it's widely reported. Nobody kind of owns the rights to it, you know. There's a newspaper story, it's it's in, in the public 
you know, sphere and it's absolutely like cracking story fodder. So yeah, for, for filmmakers and directors and producers, they can just take that you know, switch a couple of bits around and go, oh, this is inspired by a true story, you know, or based on a true story or what's claimed to be a true story if you're skeptical. Uh, and then, yeah, they, but I mean, it's not like Janet and her family like own the rights to this. It wasn't intellectual property. It was, you know, uh, articles and papers that were published about these occurrences. And I, I'm assuming that they, didn't profit off of any of it at all um and it was just kind of taken by hollywood <laughs> or whatever yeah and capitalized I would, on um i'd love to know if they did get any money but i don't think that they did because uh from what i was reading janet so one of the, one of the big movies that got made on on this was the conjuring 2 yeah which is which is a fantastic movie and it's one of the reasons I mean for me it's why I enjoyed it so much was because I already knew about the Enfield haunting and then when I heard Conjuring was doing it as, as for the Conjuring 2 I was like oh my fucking god mm. yes uh, it was terrifying and it really scares me I'm assuming you obviously haven't seen it no of course I haven't seen no. it <laughs> I'm way too um, scared but obviously you know it's it's a it's a it's a film it's like a, a cinematic movie mm. you know it, it made a lot of money and I don't think that they saw any of it uh, despite the fact that it's based on their characters because when she was asked about it she said that she wasn't happy about it really um so yeah and there's been many other things there was a mockumentary in 1992 about it channel um four did a documentary about it in 2007 there was some more in some other tv shows there was also a sky living television series which is actually on amazon prime now called the enfield haunting mm. 2015 um, and apparently in 2018, BBC Radio 4 did actually revisit the case as well with interviews, which actually I'm, I might go, I might go listen to. Mm. Um, yeah, and it doesn't, it doesn't seem like they made any profit, anything like that, because as you said, I think when it's in the public domain, anything can kind of be made on it, which I, I think is incredibly sad. And I think especially that, you know, all this family got was, as you said, that in some ways ridicule and shame, bullying, um negative media attention yeah. when you know even if i don't want to say even if it was a hoax because i don't think it was a hoax but even if it was like what would have been their point in doing that yeah okay is it theory time so yeah i've got a couple of fours and against for you okay. to kind of base more of your kind of theory on it so i just just a general one which just to kind of summarize what we've gone through which is in my opinion if we're looking at the four for the fact that this is true mm. is the fact that the two daughters still maintain that it's 100 percent true even though they're grown up they're in like the 60s 50s they still insist that it's genuine it doesn't seem like they, there's anything for them to to get out of it yeah um the voice is something that I put as a four because like what scientists were saying about the fact that it would just be so bad for your vocal cords. Your vocals would be so damaged. It's impossible for it for that long. Mm. It's also just a horrible voice that I, you know, even me as a kid, like I used to make weird goblin demon noises when I was younger because I don't know, I just thought it was funny. Um, I could never create anything like that for that long or even just having like even an accent on it. Um, Apparently, the neighbours also said they were seeing some weird shit. Mm. Apparently, the neighbours just, like, even from, like, across the road next door would often say that they would be seeing very weird stuff happening in the house from afar. Um, people were also saying that in really stressful situations and stressful households with young children that have gone through trauma, such as their father leaving, mm. that can apparently spice up a poltergeist, <laughs> supposedly. Spice up a poltergeist. <laughs> 
I just love that turn of phrase. Like there's a poltergeist, he's chilling. Then a dad leaves and he's like, it's my time to shine. <laughs> I was thinking more that it plays upon, you know, like the emotions and right. the kind of raw energy of the of what's going on. Right. But yeah, still, I still picture it that way. Yeah. I wonder who makes up these things about poltergeists, just by the way. Like, who goes, oh, you're a child of divorce. Oh, watch out for poltergeists. That's catnip to those guys. <laughs> you live, well, do you live in a broken home? Oh, yeah. The old spookies. Yeah, they love that. <laughs> I don't know if there's any validity behind it, but apparently it's a thing. It's to do with your energy and and young kids are supposedly able to see ghosts more than other people. Um, they do say that it's that know. it's energy. That's my understanding of people who like very much subscribe to like paranormal events being real and ghosts being real and all the rest of it. They say that it's it's create created by like an imprint of energy, like someone's life force or their soul or something, which or their pain um, and trauma, which has an imprint on a place like this house, uh, and then that can feed off other energy uh similar to that when it's like recreated in there so again more pain or more trauma can like awaken Mm -hmm. it and it's like an imprint i don't know what the scientific basis for that is but that is i guess the theory of like that's what this ghost is or that's what this poltergeist is but they also did a ouija board let's not forget Mm -hmm. that true so yeah the against one argument used against them a lot was that janet and her sister uh apparently craved attention when they were younger as kids which to be honest most children do Mm. but obviously their dad left and the father figure suddenly that coming into the house was of that of gross and playfair who were investigating the occurrences and a lot of people were saying that you know they they were playing up to it because they didn't want them to go and that they liked them being there and they liked the the father figure but i wouldn't necessarily say that that's necessarily going to be untrue even if it wasn't a hoax because maybe they just liked them and they liked having them there i'm not quite sure um people were saying that they did it for attention or money which again i guess if you sell your story to the daily mirror or any other newspaper you will get money but i don't think they got any other money apart from that right and i and i would have assumed that they did that so that they could get help from people who could help them because the police were like nah this isn't our kettle of fish uh but a new story will reach yeah maybe a priest maybe a paranormal investigator maybe the people who would one day become ghostbusters you never know like it's it's kind of could be like a cry for help i guess is what i'm saying yeah i guess you kind of have to think of it as well like back then there wasn't facebook so nowadays if people were having weird shit going on they post it on twitter facebook and be like guys or on like reddit i've got a ghost can you help Mm. you know if like dear david was actually true right um, that's yeah very much the forum that we would receive that information yeah i guess no one really knew how to publicly ask for help Mm. so i wouldn't say that i you know think that just because they went to the newspaper it meant that it was a hoax i just think that maybe they didn't know what else to do So another against is obviously that they faked some things. They The kids did do that. That was a thing that happened. Mm. Um, obviously, as we discussed, Janet jumping off the bed, it did look like she was jumping, not being thrown. That's a bit of a... Mm. Yeah. And the, I, as I mentioned, the interviews with the girls where they seemed very giggly and non-bothered, there was a, a part where there was a question asked to them where it was, how does it feel to be haunted by a poltergeist? And Janet replied, it's not haunted. And Margaret in a hushed tone interrupted, shut up. These factors have been regarded by skeptics as evidence against the case. Mm. Other people have also said about the voice that it is possible 
um, by like ventriloquist experts that have said you can do a voice like that for a long amount of time. It is possible. Right. And so there seems to be a real kind of like a, a disagreement from loads of different factors, but also a lot of people saying that they think it's true. Mm-hmm. If you, the internet is divided, the whole world is divided, to be honest, on this on this situation. I watched the videos and the interviews yeah. of Janet now as an, as an older lady, and she seems so genuine and she seems so bothered and annoyed by it and, you know, affected and, and so certain that it all happened. And it, it makes, I believe her. I just don't, I don't know. I don't think she's traumatized in the sense that she thinks it's true because she needed to for whatever reason in her fucked up childhood right she needed attention yeah well, you know yeah. it's like a thing that happens to you when you're sort of a traumatic event happens and maybe it was a hoax and she her brain ended up telling her that it was true and now she believes it's true i don't think that's necessarily happening she seems very sound of mind but i don't know mm. what's what's your thoughts now after all of this yeah, so I was I was wondering about I, I mean I'm glad that you brought it up because yeah, I was kind of thinking about a theory that that goes back to their dad leaving and I guess I'm curious whether they ever reestablished contact with yes. their dad at any yeah, point. Yeah, they did. They I did. remember in an interview she mentioned her dad passing away or something when she was older, so. Right. Okay. So he left, but the, it's not like they completely stopped seeing him altogether. He was just like out of the house and they were having weekend visitations maybe i don't think there was ever that much information there might be somewhere but i think it was maybe that they reconnected a little bit later on potentially Mm. i i guess i i wonder if i I don't think that it was a hoax i'm gonna put it that way i don't think that they made up everything that happened to them uh i think it seems like they certainly believe it was real and they certainly like still claim that it is all true mm-hmm. but i wonder if there was something else that was going on or like some other like issue that that caused her to experience these things like other than a poltergeist or ghost um i mean the ouija board thing is is messed up but i wonder if like she was a very troubled young girl um who had i don't know like delusions and things like this is this is the other way that people would write it off isn't it it's like she's crazy and i don't and i don't mean to be like oh yeah she's just absolutely nuts so yeah i I know that that's another way that people might write this off to say oh she's just you know got got mental problems or whatever but then she did she did go to maudsley mental institution and you know her her brainwaves were supposedly fine and you know she was all okay um from everything that's happened since then you know she seems very well adjusted and hasn't had any repeat occurrences of this and like it was a priest visiting the house like after that things got better and i did do a quick google of what year the exorcist came out and it was 1973 so before ha- before this all happened and so i just wonder if like on some level she like even subconsciously like recreated those events for some reason whether it was yeah a fantasy or a delusion or um an escape but then how can you justify the policeman being in the house like with other policemen and the family not being there and like the chair moving forward across the floor and the banging mm. when Vic goes in I there on his know. own. Like, there is... Yeah. Because normally I would agree and say, you know, maybe. But there is so many different variables that come into question. Yeah. 
and it's it's so hard i don't think we're ever gonna know unless you know we buy the house and move in next week i mean we could try <laughs> probably wouldn't be the best time like lockdown you know uh, to, to do <laughs> that be like we get locked can, in. can we just come in stay over see what's going on i'm sure someone will eventually i mean as far as i'm aware like there's not been much information on who is currently living there whether the people that moved in in like 2005 or whenever it was whether or not you know they're still the same people that were there before like it's kind of shut up shop so no one really knows if you know but it's so hard maybe the mother dying in the chair she's kind of like taken up the the ghost um presence the i don't know the ghost chair she's she's in the ghost seat now she's like i'm in the hot seat so yeah it's my that's a really now. good point this is probably what happened that chair that chair is what was cursed all along it was right? just the chair build Bill died in the chair and then he's like, oh, I'm really angry. I'm going to possess a little kid. But then the mum died in the chair and she was like, my energy imprint is to be like, fuck you, other ghost. Uh, I want this to be like a safe house and a safe place to raise my kids because this was all really messed up. And then it was like the whole imprint of a mother's love thing. And then that banished the bad thing, the bad ghost. Maybe, but the people that did move in there after that were a bit like, this place is a bit creepy. But... Well, it probably took her a couple of weeks, you know. I'm not saying, <laughs> like, she got up. rid of it straight away. Yeah, she was probably like, oh, how am I going to mess him up, you know? Because <laughs> it's the whole thing, isn't it? If, like, if uh, when a man commits a murder, it's more likely to be a crime of passion. But when a woman commits a murder, she will plot every single aspect of it. So she was probably scheming for a while, going, how am I going to mess up this bad ghost who possessed my daughter? And then other people lived there during that time. But then she executed her plan. Boom. Maybe. Bad ghost gone. Maybe. Well, there you go. Solved it. Nailed it. Solved it. Case Nailed solved it. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a tricky one. I, and I don't want to, I really, what I don't want to do is like, um, try to discredit this on the basis of, of mental illness because I think that, like, I, th- I think that that's, it doesn't feel, almost ethical to do that like mental health issues are very real and substantial and serious things and i think that if we brush off stuff as like oh that's just crazy i think that that feels quite ableist and quite um oh, yeah. judgmental that, that's very much like and burn, i really i'm trying to not state. say that very much absolutely yeah. absolutely but speaking of witches they never smudged the house they never did a banishment and i'm just saying like i have read some witchcraft law where they probably could have got rid of an evil spirit so they try, tried a priest should have tried a witch just saying um but yeah so i I really don't want to brush it all off by going oh it's yeah it's just crazy it's just craziness because i think that that's very unfair i don't think in my opinion that mental health has too much to do with it in that sense because i feel that this woman you know who is like probably as i said in her late 60s 70s it speaks about it very candidly very openly very honestly she seems very sound of mind and i think that you know if she did believe that she was having any kind of thing, I think she'd be able to reflect on that and understand it. She's probably mm. had therapy. I mean, I think we all would if we had to live in that house and go through all that shit. Even- God, yeah. I mean, she's she's got trauma either way you look at yeah. it, whether it's before, after, or because of this stuff. Like, she would have Especially had media some kind of adjustment. Needed. Yeah, I think yeah. I think she must have done. And um, and like I said, I, I feel like if, if she believed that that was the case, then maybe that's what would have happened. There were other people involved. It's this one. I think that we're not we're not going to be able to solve. We're just going to have to mm. reflect on it and and give our 
opinions with everything that you've like said today and like taking the the case on like the strength of the evidence for and against this is probably the closest that i've come to going yeah i mean this this could be real i i do i do believe that like this could be real this is the closest that i've come to saying yeah i do think it's real if that makes sense (laughs) like it's the most most convincing of like and i and yeah i don't put myself in the way of these kinds of things because I do find them scary and when I come across them yeah as as I've proven I do try and be quite skeptical and be like okay what's all the evidence but yeah this this is the closest I've I've come to it to thinking oh god yeah this really might be a haunting well that's that's a I'm glad actually because I feel like you're normally more of a skeptic you're scared of things and you're quite heavily freaked out but Normally you are more of a skeptic and the fact that you are unsure on this, I think, is in line with I my think opinions as well. I think that's why I'm so skeptical because I try and rationalise it. If I open myself up to like all this paranormal stuff and said, yeah, I think it's real, I probably wouldn't stop being scared of stuff. Like, you know how much of a wuss I am, Nikki. So <laughs> if I open that door, I'd probably like lose, lose sleep every night. And I think that that's where the scepticism comes from is me rationalising and going, there's an explanation for this. There's definitely an explanation for this. But like with this case, it's really vague and there's not a clear cut answer. So yeah, I, I am on the fence, I think, with <laughs> this one. Cool. Well, this remains unsolved. Wait, we're not, we're this, no, that's... um. That's not, that's our, not show. our show. <laughs> <laughs> and the case was unsolved. <laughs> uh, but it's cool. It's cool. I, I enjoyed this. It's, yeah. it's quite fun just to kind of, especially when, like, you don't know about it. I think it's going to be, this is, I think these episodes where a case is brought to one of us and explained, I think it's only ever going to be me because I feel like I know about so many different cases. So I don't know if you'd be able to find one that I'm not sure of, but that would be, I'd love that. That would be awesome if you can find one that I'll I don't know I'll have to of. think of a different type of case file that I can bring to you on, like, my subject Conspiracy matter theory expertise. Or something, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, something like that. Um, I'll, I'll try and think of something where I can, like, turn the tables and bring a case to you. But, um, yeah, watch this space. Okay, cool. But, yeah, everyone let us know if you did enjoy this episode. Um, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at notforgirlspodcast at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, we have our socials as well. Where you can find us at notforgirlspod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, yeah. And if you care to leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, um, we would absolutely love that. Thank you. Yes. And also, if you'd like to contact us about any other case files that you'd like us to do, especially specific ones like this, you can visit us at our socials or whatever or email us. And we'd love to to be able to kind of like have inspiration from you guys and, and get like that going on. It's nice being able to do these deep dives every now and again and just talk about something completely random. And I know that we kind of started this podcast with the aim to kind of talk about lifestyle things and how they affect us as women and have our different takes on it and have like science and creative corner um but actually like diving down these rabbit holes is something that i think like a a lot of the the things out there the way i see people delve into these things is that it's quite a male-centric area so by going down these rabbit holes we're kind of like you know breaking that little mold as well so i like that there's still uh you know that thread going through so um yeah we like a variety we'll do 
lots of different stuff exactly um, and I've really enjoyed this it's been a lot of fun um, so yeah thank you Nikki um, for doing all the legwork and the research and uh, the, all the writing all right. for this week um, but it's been it's been really fun thank you that's alright thank you Leo thank you everyone for listening yes and we will see you next time bye, bye.